Thanks again, everybody. You are tuning in to Guy Aitchison's uh, Reinventing the Tattoo Community. This is a special uh, Reinventing the Tattoo History podcast um, with Marvin Moskowitz from uh, the Bowery in New York City. And we're very excited, so stay tuned. I'm going to uh, take over the screen and do a little bit of an introduction while the live stream is going out. This is a perfect time to let us know in any of the chat rooms if this is working for you or to share it around. And if you're on Facebook and you're watching, then uh, tag Marvin, because I know that he's got a, a big Facebook. Uh, I'm, always, I'm always catching your Facebook uh, <laughs> yeah. posts and whatnot. I, I, my my uh, nephews told me to cool down on my political post, but uh, it's not me. You know, I, you know, it's interesting. So I'd love to actually talk about that a little bit, and uh, I have gotten myself in some trouble. But uh, but first, uh, that's the good teaser. Let's uh, let's run this intro for for reinventing and um, and yeah. So let's see. This is uh, a live stream on the fourteenth of March. Um, like I said, if this is working for you, let us know if it's working in the chat room or tag somebody. Um, this is Guy Aitchison's Reinventing the Tattoo Community, where tattooers, apprentices, uh, collectors, and even the curious are all encouraged to join in these live streams, to watch the replays, to ultimately inspire each other, and to create better art and tattoos together. Uh, we are beaming out live like five days a week now, and with your help and the help of all the streamers, have created a, a network of tattoo shows that are all pretty awesome, full of authentic, great characters. And uh, there's a couple different ways that you could be checking it out. Uh, you are, well, probably watching live. If you're catching this live, either on the YouTubes or the Facebooks, or maybe even the LinkedIn. If you're watching a recording, it could be, well, either on audio in the podcast store or on the Roku, or maybe through the mobile app. If you do a search for reinventing the tattoo in any of those platforms, that is either of the app stores, Apple App Store or the Google Play Store, reinventing the tattoo, or on Roku, it's amazing, go to Roku. Um, it's a Reinventing the Tattoo channel, and it's basically replaying all of this stuff 24-7. Um, the YouTube channel, the Reinventing the Tattoo YouTube channel, is growing, and we stream out and have all the recordings there. And then we do the Facebooks, but it's social media, so it's designed to, uh, we, we put out, we, we try to broadcast to, to the social medias, but try not to get it completely addicted to it. It's tough, though. And... Um, as I was laughing about with Marvin earlier, sometimes I know that Facebook puts his posts up in front of me because I want to uh, to chat and uh, uh, catch up on that conversation. Anyways, point is, um, the latest uh, reinventing schedule, as well as a ways to get notifications and whatnot, is to go to reinventingthetattoo.com. And right there is a full... Um, like I said, it's got the schedule of all the upcoming events, and it has all of the replays there. If it is two o'clock in the morning and you want one more thing to keep you up for hours, you could go right there. And actually, if you go to reinventing247.com, uh, yeah, it brings you to that channel. So you could watch um, the art jams, the paint nights, the Hablamos um, de Arte. We have a whole channel that's in Spanish. Tales from the Castro, straight from San Francisco. That's uh, LGBTQ plus uh, POC, everybody. It's all the... Uh, amazing, interesting stories that are coming straight from the Castro. Uh, it's crazy the amount of, uh, like I said, shows that are out there. Well, thank you very much for supporting it, everybody. Um, if you are a tattooer and you go to reinventingthetattoo.com, not only is there a ton of courses 
Um, but you could also, in the upper right-hand corner, there's a little link that says, uh, talk about your goals. Uh, if you click off the checkboxes, then you'll have a custom list of emails sent to you every couple of days to help you uh, with both uh, free lessons as well as some lessons that are inside of the different courses throughout the Reinventing with Tattoo Network. Okay, what time is it? How, how am I doing? Okay, I'm, I'm going to speed this up just a little bit. Um, we are hitting up uh, real world events. April 11th to the 12th is an inspiring tour in New Hampshire at the Sam O'Reilly House. These are, uh, you could go to inspiring.tours. They're very limited, five to 10 people for four days. This time it's Sean Barber doing a painting, doing painting. Nick Baxter, well, everybody's basically gonna be painting for three and a half days. There's seminars, then there's a collaborative tattoo that's happening between uh, Nick Baxter and Sean Barber. Actually, if you're interested in being that client, it's gonna be an out of control tattoo, get in touch. Um, the, uh, Art spots sold out within, you know, within three days. It was crazy. So get on the wait list, inspiring.tours. It's the only .com we don't have. Uh, May 20th to the 22nd is Hell City, Columbus, Ohio. Uh, hellcity.com. We're going to have a big reinventing room there. Uh, we'll also have a day of seminars at Ink Mania. That's in St. Pete, Florida, right outside of uh, where the Dolly Museum is. Uh, June, that's June 10th to the 12th. Uh, Phil Holt, Stefano will be in person there for Reinventing Day. Uh, Guy Aitchison will be beaming in. And then there's going to be a big art jam on stage. Let's see, July 29th to the 31st is the Rubber City Tattoo Invitational in Akron. And there's plenty more coming, but I want to talk history here. Um, quick shout out to the sponsors. They make these streams happen uh, for free for you. Um, Raw pigments, rawpigments.co. They are acrylic free pigments, so they don't dry out in the cup. Lauren does a lot of uh, interviews, so you could check out uh, some of her uh, interviews. Uh, do a search for raw pigments, video artists, all that. Uh, WorldTattooEvents.com is the most comprehensive tattoo website that has to do with tattoo conventions. And Alex is uh, very busy now with all of the reschedules, but I think there's like 40 conventions happening worldwide now, so it's starting to open up again. Uh, worldtattooevents.com. Then let's see, uh, DLI's Pro is a healing wrap that uh, is breathable. So it's not uh, like the, the Serene wrap is designed to not breathe. DLI's Pro is uh, designed to breathe but, uh, the oxygen to let the skin heal, but not all the icky stuff. Uh, Dermalize worldwide. DLI's Pro in the United States. Thank you for international copyright laws for making our job that much trickier. Uh, so do a search for Dermalize and videos. You'll see all the videos about it. Uh, DLI's Pro in the United States. Uh, Tattoo Now, I'm a computer geek for tattooers. You'll hear more from me because I'm going to be doing this interview. I'm pretty excited. And then Guy Aitchison, uh, guyaitchison.com. He is the inspiration behind uh, and the founder of Reinventing the Tattoo, both the professional development uh, book curriculum course platform, as well as this network. And we're here inspiring each other to get better tattoos because not only has he inspired us, uh, but he's inspiring us to inspire each other. Okay, Whew. Uh, positive reviews on the channels, please. It's what helps it uh, grow. Constructive criticism is more than welcome. Send it to management at reinventingthetattoo.com. We are also interested in some sponsors or if you wanna have us come to your shop. Instead of hopping into the background, uh, I'm actually going to stay in the interviewee chair here. Um, Mar Marvin, thank you so much for joining us. This uh, history is 
uh, so important and obviously you have a, a, an amazing place in it. Um, well, the place Uh-oh, I lost your audio. I lost your audio. I'm on. Ah, you're back. Okay, I don't know, I said weak, whatever. Anyway, and since my uncle died, I'm the last man standing in the tattoo lineage of the family. None of my cousins went into the business. I was just the only one. So it's kind of... I'm it. And, and, and it starts like the experiences. I'm, I'm, I'm it. Well, and it starts way back. Um, way back. Well, my grandfather, Willie Moskowitz, bought a barbershop in 1929, 1930. I, I have 1930 as the starting thing. And it was downstairs on the ground, on the Bowery at that time. The tattoo was, for some reason, worked out of barbershops. And uh, my grandfather bought this barber shop, and he he rented the back room to what they call transient tattooers. Uh huh. Up, they wouldn't show up. One of them was Al Neville. Now, now Al Neville was the guy that gave Norman Rockwell the tattoo machine and a oh, little price for that painting of the sailor. Then you know. At that time, Charlie Wagner in the 30s, late 20s, actually tattooed at uh, 16 Bowery. Okay. And my grandfather's barbershop was 12 Bowery. And so they were like right there. And, yeah. and, th and this is where uh, the black eye, especially, I saw, you know, or yes. I read about the black eye makeup. And my father and uncle told me that th my grandfather had a, if you go online, his actual ceramic fancy leech jars that they would keep leeches in the barbers and stuff and who who, who knows who else and a uh -huh. guy would come in with a black eye and they put the leech on the bruise and it would suck the blood out then they okay. would pancake makeup to cover everything else up but that's black eyes made to look natural it was an old barber's trip tattooers a few tattoos did it, but it was mainly barbers. Sure, and then uh, and then you were saying um, Charlie Wagner was. Oh, well, Charlie Wagner was friends with my my grandfather. Found the Bowery. He loved the Bowery. In fact, at one time, the family, when my father and his sister and, and my uncle were, were kids, lived on Mott Street, on the Lower East Side, which wasn't far from the barber shop. You froze up. Could you still hear me? Oh, uh, I can. Yes. I nope. think you had a call coming in, maybe. Oh, all right. Oh, um, that's on the phone. Let me get shut this phone off. Is oh, no, maybe not. Oh, oh anyway, let that's... me shut it off anyway. Um, now, I have some of these pictures here. I'll fire up to um, he They lived on Matra. My grandfather never wanted to leave the Bowery. He was friends with everybody. And that's how we met Charlie Wagner. And um, that, that, that whoever he was tattooing at the time figured the mid-30s didn't show up. So Wagner put my grandfather into the tattooing business. 
Uh, this is this was taken in 1961. Okay, this is later then, way later. Yeah. Well, my grandfather is on the left. He was sick at this time with Parkinson's. It was no longer a barbershop. And uh, that's my uncle standing up. My father's about, boy, 61. He was born in 38. So uh, it's probably about 23, 24. And the guy sitting is Dick Hyland, who in the 1930s, Ripley's, believe it or not, was in, in his his uh, box or whatever you call it as the uh, the human autograph. All those things you say with names of people, if he met you, he put your name on, or fighters, baseball players. And oh, he, sorry. he used to work the front for my grandfather and then my father and uncle. Awesome. And this, was, this was taken by a photographer for Gay Talese. I don't know if you ever heard of him. He was a well-known author. He wrote for the New York Times and many uh, publications. In fact, he has a book, A Serendipitous Journey, which is about New York. And one of the photos in it is my uncle and Dick Hyland and somebody, uh, Virginia Ando, a tattooist, she just sent me from the New York Times a big piece that Gay Talese wrote about tattooing. And there's a picture of my father. This was in 1959 and a picture of my father tattooing in it. Oh, amazing. Now, uh, I mean, it's gotta be really, I mean, I guess, is it, was it normal to kind of grow up in, you know, in this, I mean, not, yeah. again, it's not even legendary. It's like super legendary. Yeah, but least... Nobody thought that then. Yeah. Um, we had a good childhood. My father got us out of Brooklyn. We moved to Long Island in 63 or 64. Um, it may have been 64 when uh, Muhammad Ali knocked out Sonny Liston in the first round. That's my uh, go-to date for certain <laughs> things. I'm a big boxing fan, so that's, that's my thing to remember some things. Uh-huh. And into a beautiful neighborhood, brand new neighborhood built in the woods and stuff. We were like the third family that moved in. And uh, as people moved in, after school, during the summer, there were about 30, 40 kids looking for something to do all the time. And we did roam in the woods for hours. And But I would go, as I got old, I was about 11 then, and I would go to the shop on a Saturday night. And as I got old, I start making the needles and putting the, the machines together. But that's as I got older though. When I was a kid, I had a great time. Now this is the shop on Long Island. Uh, the first shop without dispute, established shop on Long Island. This I ain't going to say no names, but there's people that have tried to dispute that they, for, for years, that they were the first established shop. They tried to dispute my family history. A little je jealousy or what, I don't know. Um, <clears throat> they're trying to get a timeline of established shops, shops now, and believe it or not, the guy doing it had to be reminded to put oh, my no. father 
uncle first. He he left them off the list. Uh, crazy. It's uh and now I was I was seeing a um a video of uh I think it was of uh, of Stan talking about getting the laws changed. Well, it, it well there's two places: New York City and Long Island. New York City. Well, everybody knows about the band, the 1963 band. The tattoo was one of the case at first. In fact, the article I was just telling you about that Gay Talese wrote for the New York Times uh -huh. mentioned that at that time they won. Tattoos prevailed. Tattoo was prevailed. And um, but according to my father and uncle, they had gone up to the mayor's office for something. They were told the mayor wants it out, wants tattooing. Mm. So he, they, they ended up losing the case. And on Long Island, they were the first shot. But nobody opened up for 10 years after them. There's all kinds of pretenders trying to say they opened up in 64. You know, the, the guy they worked for or this or that. Nobody opened up the Pete Poulos in the, in the early 70s, 71, 1970. And then everybody else, the domino effect. But they, they, their, their horns were busted for years by the health department in Suffolk County to try and put them out of business. Every time a uh, hepatitis case. But my father was lucky that uh, he was friends with the health inspector at the time. Scott, his name was. Um, and he, they, in fact, they belonged to the same health club, Jim. And um, he would investigate it. And it was never, they always found a route to the hepatitis outbreak, a restaurant, a snack stand. Sure. In fact, that this particular health inspector, they were on Great Neck Road, which was a black neighborhood, off the beaten path, but they still had lines of people to tattoo. It was a bad neighborhood. And, and one day he came by and says, I don't want you guys in this neighborhood no more. Let's take a ride. And he found them at the shop on uh, 137 Sunrise Highway where they were for 40 years. So sometimes you got to be friends with people. But after this Scott went, they came down and always tried to bust their hump. Uh, you can't keep the inks here. You got to do this or that. You know how it goes. They had to hire lawyers. Once they had to buy, this is back in the early 60s, a $200 plate uh gala for the republican party uh-huh putting the money off their back and it lasted for a year they weren't bothered for a year you know the, now they you know they still call up they're still uh you know uh, it's still somewhat in action hey, hey you know uh we, we do have uh, another uh, re reinventing uh, host or historian uh, uh jay from the northwest uh, tattoo museum and um I'm, I'm going to bring him in. We, you know, so he's able to help. Uh, will help prod me. I'm. Uh, I'm one of those guys that I'm learning the history uh, because I, I mean I know some of it. But uh, if you yeah, want to put that uh, Indian head again later, I'll, I'll tell you that about that. Yeah, I'll put it up right now. Okay. Yeah. This is a. Voila. Yeah. So this was. Uh, hey, this is yeah. on. Yeah. Long time front man and bouncer, Gary Swass. The picture doesn't really show how big his arm is, but that's a chess piece on his arm. Huh. And uh, yeah. he also 
as I grew older, would tell me about the, the brawls and stuff. That in those days, early 60s, the pagans and others, wise guys, tough guys, would try to start with them. And uh, let's just say they went out like a whimpering puppy. <laughs> uh, yeah, it looks like a, it, it does look pretty big. I mean, obviously in person, it's... Uh... That was done by me. Still not hearing anything. Oh, we hear you, Jay. Oh, do I need a headphones? Damn it. I need headphones. Uh, hold on yeah. one second here. I'll... Uh... Okay. I, uh, I, I threw Jay on mute here while he gets his uh, text situated here. This particular um, bouncer, they would meet before work or after work someplace they were having lunch. And a, I don't know the guy's name, a professional wrestler. Something happened and they got in a fight, this Gary Swass and the wrestler. And, and Gary dragged the guy across one of those uh, Blue Stone parking lots with the little oh, no. rocks and pebbles. Oh. But I'll, I'll <laughs> tell you a story that, that's all the stories about my father and uncle and all the battles and stuff. Years later, my uncle would say, you know, these guys glorify it. But we were young kids with families trying to feed our families. There was nothing glorious about it. We, we got arrested sometimes. We came out home with, with bruises. We, we never came out second, but still, <laughs> it, it was no glory. Right. Now it's, uh, uh, it, it's, it's weird to see how the, uh, the legends carry on, you know, and again, you know, the, the, the good stuff that uh, has come from it all, you know, and then, uh, you know, well, we, but again, it's, life. they came, they had the area for 10 years from 64 to 74 to themselves. They made a fortune and up, up until they retired, they made a lot of money. And this yeah. was done by my father, Walter Moskowitz. Awesome. What, 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 what year? Early 60s. This is the 60s, yeah, sweet. This is and in the Great Neck Road Shop before they moved to Sunrise Highway. What happened is my father, the handwriting was on the wall. By 59, according to that article I, I was quoting, they already had gone and, and, and you know, survived the, the first onslaught to ban it. So they went out to Farmingdale in Suffolk County, Long Island, and they rented a room in back of a ice cream, uh, not an ice cream, in back of a room of a store next to an ice cream shop. And how I know that when I would a kid and go with my father, he always stopped there and we got ice cream to tell me that the guy makes his own hot fudge. And then he would tell me about the Farmingdale. Then in about 60, and they would only go there like a couple of nights a week, but it, about 1961, they went to the Great Neck Road shop, a regular tattoo shop. And still, they still tattooed in the city. And they came out a few nights a week to tattoo on Long Island. And then by 64, when everything was done, there was full time on Long Island. My other uncle, their brother-in-law, Stanley Farber, known as Flatbush Stan. Um, See in here? He had the last legal shop in New York City when the ban finally came down. He had Which, a shop on uh, Flatbush Avenue, 
and among the people that worked for him at one time or another was Tony, the pirate Cambria, Jack Dracula, and um, Tony Polito. Awesome. Hey, I'm gonna uh, click on some. Sorry, I don't. Know, I don't mean to like jump around. No, uh, I, it's all right. But I love these some of these pictures, and I have them fired up here. I want to make sure that we don't miss them here. So this is. This is the number twelve Bowery shop, and if you could see, this is the early thirties. I believe this is a census photo, and if you could see, it says Williams Barbershop, haircuts, shaved. Oh, yeah. Now this was downstairs. You went downstairs. The tattoo. This was the shop he bought in 1930, and this is the shop later years when my father, when my aunt actually and my uncle were, were grown, would go down. My aunt remembers playing with the Chinese kids on the Bowery. My uncle uh -huh. remembers in later years, he was still a kid going down to 16, because that's uh, where uh, Millie Hull bought the shop, bought Charlie's shop. Amazing. Now, do you remember, like... Uh, I mean, that shop, I don't remember. Well, you I, don't remember, but I'm wondering if you remember, like, some of the stories, some of the... Uh, oh, yeah, or, these stories? Um, do, you know how they pick, do you know how they picked the place, or how, how do they find it? How they find what? Uh, the spot. Like, was it... A, they just oh, I don't know. My grandfather, they were... Kids. My father was born in 38. Hmm. Um, my uncle was five years older and my aunt was five years older than him. So it was a barber shop that he was a. I have Carmine Nyson, who I consider one of the top tattoo historians, got a lot of the stuff from my family. And he bought this shop 2930. We're not sure, but. When he came to this country, he came five years after his father. He worked in like a year before, or two years before, he worked in a shop with his his father as a tailor. And then he became a barber. And, he, and that's when he met my grandmother. And her brother was a barber. So I figured that's how he became a barber. But the stories about him, he would be, when he started tattooing about the mid-30s or so, he would give a guy half, you no, know, a hot shave, shave half the face, or cut, cut a guy's hair, and in the middle somebody would come in for a tattoo. He would put the hot towel on the guy, go do the tattoo, come back after he was done, forget what he was doing, and send the guy out either with a half a shave, half a mm -hmm. hair. I mean, and at, at around this time, my grandmother also in the mid-30s made illegal booze in, in in a bathtub on Ludlow Street and would, would sell it to the you know the, the the bums I hate to use that word but you know, I, I'll use the homeless instead <clears throat> because a lot of these guys suffered from alcoholism or drug addiction in the summer they would uh, get picked up by the people that ran the bungalow colonies and stuff uh-huh dry out and be the handyman or, or whatever then come back to the bowery with two pockets full of cash and then go back to their ways right 
It's a tough one. The, uh, and I imagine that, uh, again, sometimes it's, I, I, you know, doing the research for a lot of these uh, interviews, it's fun to look at footage, you know, and, and some of the, the, the videos that they have. Oh, I disappeared from this. You could still see me? Oh, yeah, we see you in the corner when we're looking at these tattoos. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, this was done, this was found by uh, Richie Montgomery, who is a long time well-known, I could call him a legend from tattooing on mm -hmm. Long Island. And he found a guy with this and done by my grandfather in the early 40s for $3. Huh. Awesome. He, there's a couple others I didn't show you. One, he knew somebody in a nursing home and he went to visit him and he saw this hula girl. And he, asked the, he said, not only did the guy tell him who did it by name, but he knew where to shop, the, the, the shop, the address, the whole nine yards. So Awesome. Yeah, it was a uh, it was an experience. I certainly remember clearly. Um, yes. What do we have? So, so Clayton, where, what's uh, who's uh, Clayton uh, Patterson? You know Clayton Patterson? I don't know. I was excited to. Uh... Okay, Clayton Patterson is a legend. A legend on the Lower East Side, New York City. I would say the tattoo world. He spent a good part of his life on the Lower East Side, documenting life on the Lower East Side. He's, he's one of the first guys to get a video camera when they were big and bulky and walked the streets with his video camera and his regular camera and take pictures. He asked the people if he could take pictures of them. He documented. In fact, I don't know if you ever heard of the Tompkins, Tompkins Square Riots, Park Riots. You heard of them? Yeah, yeah I have. I'm a 47-ish, but I'm a, a... His video actually put a couple of dirty uh -huh. during the riots for violence, you know, brutality. They actually arrested him and he had to go to court to get his video back. Uh -huh. And then with the tattooing in Hungary, there's a tattoo um, convention he founded, Wild Side or something. I don't know if you heard of it. Nope, but I do have his website up here, I believe. Me, Clayton, it's yeah. A big, big convention he was one of the founders and they go back every year but uh health he can't no more mm. wow. this is uh this is a site here he knows everybody he started with caps years and years ago he he was uh one of the guys that helped run the rosalind ball ballroom convention oh yeah okay this is his wife, who is also an artist. In fact, my nephew just bought a coat, a, a jacket by him for like 500 bucks. Whoa, whoa, nice. Awesome. I remember the uh, the Roseanne Ballroom was definitely one of those conventions I used to hit up. Um... Oh, it was one of the best, one of the best. Um, but Clayton, the tattoo world... He knows everybody and everything. Artists. Uh, one of his good friends was this guy, Keach Patchell, a Juilliard taught musician who scored a lot, a lot of big movies, mm -hmm. uh, composed music for movies and other avenues and stuff. The guy just passed away, but it was, uh, he has, or he had, uh, Clayton had, um, 
a, a website radio show. Hmm. And I did some of the shows with him, and I was lucky enough to do one with Keith Patchell. You know, I think I saw it. Is that the six-part YouTube? I don't know what he has on YouTube. I hasn't gone there, but a talented guy who got interested in tattooing. I can't think of the guy's name. He tattooed in a building across from Tom DeVita. One of these unknown guys who was known back in the underground 60s days. Yeah, that's cool. Now, and it, it seems like there was a fair amount of, I mean, obviously there was a fair amount of like crossover and, and like, I guess, did, was it uh, your, your generation or was it your, your, your father and uncles that um, crossover? Like the, well, like the artsy people were picking it up and like, as opposed well, to, you know, oh, and the museums and stuff like, and, and books, like there's books oh, and, you know and real what? researchers. And um, I'll tell you when, um, let me think. You had, Tattooers writing books. Uh, Lyle Tuttle would write books about like Charlie Wagner and stuff. And, but uh -huh. no, not Charlie Wagner, Bill Jones. You know who Bill Jones was? I don't know. It's called, you ever hear of the Jonesy machines? Yeah, of course. Well, okay. Jones. Yeah. He made them for a short while in the back of my grandfather's shop. Uh, Uh oh, Mar Marvin, I think we lost you again. Uh, Marvin, we lost you. But uh, the in test box? Oh, go ahead. We just got you back. <laughs> M M Marvin, we lost your audio for that last little run. It's on now? It is on there now, is. though. There we go. Okay. The real research and books written came about maybe during the late 70s, but when Mike McCabe wrote the book, An Urban Legend, uh, Tattooing an Urban Legend, New York City. Yeah, it was 90. It seems 90. all the books so really out. went into real research, real research. You know, with, with uh, people that went to college or had degrees in uh, genealogy, I mean, Mike McKay put the 50s tattooers on the map. Unfortunately, all those one and everybody in Mike McCabe's book are, are gone. Mm. The, uh, Mike, so I have uh, a Jay uh, from the Northwest Tattoo Museum. Hey, Jay. Hello. Hey, Jay. Yeah. Sitting down here in my workshop building tattoo machines so <laughs> kind of morning out here in the on the west coast uh, jay's been uh, helping us flesh out the, well uh, we, uh, we have the uh, hi uh history of electric tattooing uh course in the reinventing uh, curriculum now uh and he's been uh, gracious enough to upload tons of, of info but um but also yeah, i'm working on some more some more as we speak too so um all right Everybody stay tuned for that. <laughs> so I guess this might be an interesting uh, question. So, so Marvin, like uh, clearly in New York City, uh, that's the geography where the, where the family's from. What was it? What was the interaction with the West Coast where, where people were tattooers you know and what? traveled? On the, when they were in New York City on the Bowery, 
very few reached out to the West Coast. This is all way later history, maybe the the, the 70s, mid-70s, everybody start when the conventions came on. Basically, in my opinion, you had guys like uh, Tony Polito, um, Philadelphia Eddie, those type of guys would reach out to other tattooers, go around. But as a whole, speaking as a whole, I would say the late 70s, 80s, that's when people start crossing over to this one and that one. Flash would be drawn, the books were coming out, so people knew who they were. That, I fact, remember when I... Going back to make Mike McCabe, very little people knew who most of those guys in the book were. Who were they? What was the uh, Mike McCabe? I'm looking it up now. Yeah, the that Urban was Art. It was book. about all the 1950s tattooers. Came out at uh, Philadelphia Eddie's uh, 99 show, if I remember. 99 right. or 98? It was the it, it was Eddie's uh, Philadelphia show. Yes. In, uh, it might have been 98. Let's see. 98, I, I don't know. He had two shows. 98, 99. Uh, I think he did. Wait, I did them all. <laughs> 99, 2000, 2001, 2002. Oh, I know these books, of course. But yeah, it, um, it sold out. The two of them he had at the airport. Two or three of them were at the airport. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. They Is were in like amazing? Cherry Hill. It wasn't even, uh, wasn't even uh, Philadelphia, really, if I remember right. Or that might have been the... That's not the book. No, it's, nope. out of, it, it's out of... It sold out completely. I don't think you can get a copy of that book if you... If you try to, no, it's not it's, a lot of money. There it is. That no, he's just showing it. He had the wrong book up. That's the one. Do you find one for sale? No. <laughs> nope. Out of print. <laughs> yeah. Um, voila. Well, there we go. Awesome. And my father. Well, actually, my uncle did the evil. He's the first in the book, and and. When he asked everybody else who interviewed, one of Mike's questions to Mosin was, tell me about the Moskowitz brothers. Mm -hmm. In fact, that book backs me up. I used to tell people that Huck Spaulding worked for my grandfather in the late 40s. And I thought, oh, you bullshit this and that. But in Huck Spaulding mm -hmm. has a chapter wow. in the book. And he says it, that he worked for my grandfather in the late 40s. A lot of people went through your grandfather's shop in New York. Yeah. What I, just about well, anybody who is everybody. Well, if, you know, besides like Wagner's shop and, you know, uh, yeah. the other big one. But I mean, it seems to, to what I, I know, and I'm, I'm not huge on, on the East Coast uh, history, but uh, from what I know of it, and then like we're talking about Carmen Miss, and, and from what I've read of her stuff, it seems like just about everybody uh, who is anybody did go through your through your grandpa's shop, which is really well, cool. <laughs> I'm saying, uh, my other uncle, Flapper Stan, their brother-in-law, Stanley Farber, his shop was on Flapper Avenue, Brooklyn, and amongst the people that tattooed for him at one time or another was Tony Polito, Tony Kitt, the Pirate Cambria, and uh, Jack Dracula. Wow. 
Wow. I have That's a Jack cool. Dracula story, if you're interested. Well, that would yeah. be interesting to hear. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I was a kid in the, in the early 60s, 10, 11, and Jack Dracula was working for Stanley Farber at the time, my uncle. And my father would visit him. So he took me one day, and I saw Jack with those tattooed face of his. And if my right. father grabbed my, my arm, I'd still be running down Flatbush Avenue. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, menacing. And then another time we went down, he was very talented, Dracula. He was making, out of plywood, life-size versions of all the Warner Brother characters. He had a Bugs Bunny there all painted up. Wow. Elmer Fudd, beautiful things. And of course, this got to be 63, 64. I was born in 55. So I was a kid. Actually, this, I was a little kid. So this had to be the early 60s, seven, eight years old. And I wanted one, of course. And my father offered Dracula at that time 20 bucks for one of them. And the fucking guy wouldn't sell it. I was crying and I'm a kid. Oh, no. So the moral of the story is, fuck Jack Dracula. (laughs) 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 But you know what? He he was an interesting person. My father and uncle were tight with him. I believe my uncle did the eagle on his chest. My father gave him some tattoos, I think the Frankenstein or something. And uh, he always wanted to be a sideshow guy. That's why he got his face. But my father and uncle wouldn't do it. And somebody, some people claim Freddie did it. Some people claim Tony Cambria did it. But I, I've never got, heard a definitive answer. So somebody else. Um, my father used to go with him on the subway. And Dracula had a full-length black coat with a hood. And they would go on the subway and try and, and spook people. Dracula <laughs> would quickly shuffle over close to them and leer over them. So <laughs> Nice. Uh, someone from the chat room here, Joshua, says uh, he's holding his copy right now of uh, Mike's book. Oh, that's he's lucky to have it, one. That's it, awesome. It's a great book. I'm... Uh-oh. I got to love the internet. Excuse me? Uh, we, we, you got to love the internet. You're back. We just lost you for a sentence. Oh, um, I'll just use an example. I'm a big boxing fan. I, I want to go on some of the boxing sites. People will bring them. Nobody remembers James J. Jeffries. Nobody remembers this guy. These guys are dead over 100 years. It's the march of time. And it's like it's with sad not, not all of it got wrote down. It's sad that that so many got well, who, lost. Who thought? Uh, you know, my father and uncle were always of the mindset you could be thrown out of tattoo and out of your business at any time. Lucky for them, they went to Long Island. They had, and there was no tattooers on Long Island. So they, they made out very well. Um, so they, they, they always had them, you know, it was a living for them. There was no glory in tattoo. And it was a living to feed, uh, as I said before, your family. And, and the rock star thing like today. There was a lot of trouble. You had the pagan motorcycle gang. You had other gangs, tough guys, this and that. 
know, but they all learned when you went into that tattoo shop, you were very nice and polite. Yeah. Yeah, you uh, you brought up uh, Philadelphia Eddie uh, not too long oh, ago. Uh, care to share some stories? He's uh, you know uh, yeah, please. You know, Eddie was a great friend. Philadelphia Eddie and my father were, were tight. Um, in fact, my mother says that I don't know who his son was at the time or Eddie's wife at the time, but we used they used to socialize with them, and a couple of times we took the kids to the movies and stuff. Was it Marguerite? I no, I, I you know what? You're going back to the early 1960s. Okay. <laughs> you know, my, my father hit the Bowery more or less 54, 55. 54, I believe he was 16 and married already. And I was on the way. So that's when he started tattooing full time on the Bowery. My uncle started about five years before him. Um wow. and in between, I, I believe. I, I can't say for sure if my grandfather didn't show their brother-in-law first or second in the family, whatever. Um, now, what were we talking about? I'm uh, uh, Eddie. Eddie. <laughs> it's a great, a great subject. Oh, Eddie. Eddie. Okay. Yeah. Eddie, of course, loved my father and uncle. Um, I remember we used to visit Actually, it was Freddie we used to visit on Coney Island, and um, Eddie would be there sometimes and stuff. But I'm, I'm a young kid, so I don't remember Eddie that much. I remember in older years when every time I saw him, he would tell me the story how he met my father and uncle for the first time. You want me to repeat the story? Oh, please, please. Okay. Sure. That'd be awesome. My father and uncle were tattooing on the Bowery. And Eddie, I, I think he was the same age as my father. At that time, they must have been both 16, 17 years old. And um, maybe maybe in, in their early 20s or late teens. Anyway, so he, he finds the shop, Eddie, and he goes in and he gets two birds on it. He says, my father was like standing on the outside the building and asked Eddie, you want to get a tattoo? He came to the right place. So Eddie went in and he gets two birds on his chest. And when he's done, Eddie says, hey, one's higher than the other. <laughs> and my father smacks him in the back of the head and says, kid, don't you know one's a male, one's a female? <laughs> and then Eddie says, well, where's my change? And he smacks him on the head again. And he says, it's on the chest, it's extra money. And then and he says, your uncle came out of the back and says, you fucking around with my brother? And he says, I guess it was time to leave, he says. But uh, <laughs> then they became lifelong friends. Then they became awesome. lifelong friends. Um, you know, what happened is when they had the ban, all these tattooers went their own way. Yeah, uh, he went to Philadelphia then, I think. That was he, part of the he deal. He actually went to Chicago, I believe, first. And yeah, what he I told so. me is that tattoos in Chicago was run by the mob. You had to give them a piece of the action. But with Dan Peace, I was talking to him, and he was talking about how Tex Peace went and worked in Chicago, and that they uh, that they had a. He was a young man, and and they uh, uh, his 
his father took him into the shop and uh, he had to use the bathroom. He was, he said he was just a, a little boy and he had to use the bathroom. So his dad took him around the corner to uh, go to the bathroom and behind a big two-way mirror, there was that the sailors used to check their clothes and everything. And there was a guy sitting back there with a Tommy gun. <laughs> I thought that would, that's, that, and he said the same thing. You had to pay the mob off in Chicago. Yeah. My father and uncle were going to go with Eddie to Chicago. And what wow. stopped that, my father was really serious. My mother, what was she, uh, 21, 22 at the time, with two kids. And all her family lived in Brooklyn. We lived in Brooklyn at the time. My uncle lived four houses down. My mother said, I'm not leaving my family and, and everything. So that canceled the trip. My mother, my mother used to say, my she's the boss, my father's the horse. <laughs> nice. Um, so we have a, uh, a request from the chat room here. Uh, Joshua was asking if you have any uh, Blackie stories. Ooh. No, you know, everybody forgets I was a very young kid here. Blackie stayed yeah. in Brooklyn underground. And uh, the only story I got at that Eddie's convention for the book signing, Blackie had died, I think, a week before, but he was going to come up there. But I don't have Blackie stories. They were a separate family, you know. I think they were, correct me, Jay, if I'm wrong, three or four brothers that tattooed. Yeah, that that's something I don't I don't recollect. The, the last name, it's an Italian last name. About, so. I can't think yeah. of it off the bat, uh, you know what? Every time I do these interviews, I always say I'm going to write things down to be prepared. And then as I'm writing one or two things mm -hmm. down, I say, fuck it, I'll just wing it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But um, there, there were three or four brothers. I can't think of their name. But you know what it is? A lot of those Valerie tattooers, my opinion from the information I got and from what my father says, kept to themselves. They saw each other on the Bowery or visited a shop here or there. But, the, the, you know, nobody was in it for the glory, for the passion in those days. This was strictly a way to make money. You know, feed your family, pay for your rent, your house, whatever. Right. So, you know, it's not as glamorous. It's not, uh, and Jay will back me up. It weren't... Uh, brain surgeons then they weren't movie stars then yeah it was definitely not a rock star thing unless you were in the circus and uh, uh or something along those lines and i imagine that was a little more uh on the rock side end you know got rock star side yes. and uh, the, the guys who who actually tattooed and were you know circus attractions um uh, my, I, I thought it was interesting that you uh mentioned millie hole's um place she was one of those uh people that was kind of a um, you would say kind of a, a, of her time was kind of well, from what my father told me and um, what I gather she bought Charlie's Wagner's shop at 16 Bowery yeah that's what I've, I've gathered as well yeah and in fact my uncle Bowery Stan used to say he remembers as a kid going that, that don't forget they still lived at Ludlow Street, was just wasn't far from the shop, and he would go and watch Millie Hole tattoo. Oh wow. That's anyway, cool. in fact, her and Charlie, I gather, were an item at one time because there's pictures of her of Charlie tattooing her when she was a young woman. And well, she, she was she was, big. 
she was a, a, a went up, you know, she was like, like all tattoo artists, it seems like, you know, uh, back then had, didn't do well in, you know, with school and said, screw this, I'm going on my own kind of thing. And uh, uh, she was a burlesque dancer in the circus. And then uh, one of the Barkers told her, you can make uh, uh, upwards of $80 a week if you go get tattooed and become a tattooed lady. And so she went and sought out Charlie Wagner since he was considered, you know, at the time, one of the best to go get that done on the, on the East Coast. And so, and then later went back and learned from Wagner, uh, whether or not they were an item, who knows, <laughs> you know, but. Uh, um, but, you know, she had, a, there's a picture. I copied it once. It's on my computer that went dead. I don't know how to get my pictures out of it. Of one of, her, of the shop, and this particular picture had a sign, come and get tattooed. And, and 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 not by some old uh, washed up old man. Yes, yeah. yes, <laughs> yes. She had a big long spiel on there that uh, yes, that, uh, that said all her things. You know, don't go to a, a would be uh, a would be uh, washed up old man. Be, yeah, <laughs> washed up old men. Uh, uh, yeah, there's actually a picture in the the uh, the little article that I wrote about her uh, in the uh, history section, the reinventing history. Uh, it, that actually has a picture of that sign and I quoted that because I thought that was just the you know you walk up to the front of the shop and there it is right there for you and uh, and uh, yeah. you know uh, it's, it, 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 it's a lot of history Mike McCabe started all this uh, Carmen Nissen she, she has a degree a college degree in genealogy so she yeah. knows in and out where to, and she'll find one item and somehow find all the things connected yeah. to that one item. Yeah, she's great at that. She really is a, a, a an incredible researcher. Um, I'll tell oh, you. Sorry, sorry, one more time. What was your name? I want to fire her up here in the background. Who? And get the notes. What was her name? Uh, Mil uh, Carmine Nyson. Yes. She's and in Yakima, I Washington. Yeah, she's in uh, Yakima. She's about, a, oh, I don't know, about two and a half hours from me. So uh, Carmen, well, Carmen, she's a. I didn't, I didn't uh, get the spelling. In fact, she knew she that I'm a bit right. N y s s e n. Yes. But, yep. She's a, she's she's a great lady too. She was a really great person. Um, I've gone and visited her. Uh, she's been taken advantage a lot of though. Yeah, yeah, and that's what I've heard, and it's like that's the tattoo. Uh, yeah, it is. It's kind of cutthroat, mm -hmm. and there's a lot of bullshit. You know, Chuck Eldridge and I were just talking about that, and uh, 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 you know how how the story changes every every. Uh, there it is, Buzzworthy Tattoo. There's some great articles on there. There's some wonderful information. My my father and uncle. Everything, every generation, the story's changed, and every time. <laughs> of course, <laughs> I mean, I, I would say Charlie Wagner must have had a public relations man because just about. 99 and 9 tenth photos you see of him opposed photos right oh yeah oh yeah every picture i have of him is posed uh uh post post photos yeah absolutely um we were talking about you're talking about mike mccabe and and um uh he's and, terrific uh, eddie eddie and all that uh we were on that subject and and one thing i like to always use in a, as an example 
because history, you know, I mean, all this stuff needs to be written down because it's it's being lost. But um, Eddie did one thing that I encourage everybody to do. He wrote these. He wrote those books. And uh, oh, that that uh, audio book. The yeah, yeah. Well, and he, and he did them in print too. And what a great, you know, what a great way to uh, leave a little bit of something behind, history behind, is well to actually sit um, down and. And he get ghostwrit that uh, Eric Fimmel uh, was the guy who wrote actually wrote it all down and, and formatted it. So Eddie What's just that? talked into a microphone. Uh, all of Eddie's books. Oh yes, yes, yes. Um, and that was well, uh, I think everybody Chuck Eldridge and I were talking about that too. Is uh, people ought to just sit down with a recorder. And, well, uh, that was my with the last of the Barry Scare Merchant audio book. That was my kid brother's idea. It was the last year of my father's life. We knew he had a year or, or, or less, and um, he bought all this recording equipment, and he recorded. All my, if, if you listen to it, you can hear my father's voice as the. It's a two disc audio book. You can hear my That's father's awesome. voice get, getting weaker and weaker, and he um, got all this stuff, and um, all this info. It took my brother five years to edit everything. It could have been much more. He could have got the Brooklyn guys, Tony Polito and stuff, but he was afraid that word would get out and, I don't know, somebody would undercut him. But it, it came out pretty good. I'm looking at, uh, so yeah, this is the last of the Bowery Scab Merchants, uh, if you do a they search actually, for that. They could actually buy it from my website, uh, oh. BoweryTattoo.com. Oh, there you go. Perfect. That one's nice and easy. That's way better. <laughs> way, way better here. I got some. And actually, I suppose this is, uh, I, I hate to have a hard out, um, but I, I hope that maybe uh, you, you'll have some time to come back. Uh, maybe we could uh, take a, a quick tour of the website and then, um, yeah, perfect. What, are we running out of time? You know, I, it, it's good to leave people wanting more, but uh, maybe we could go on for another two stories. And then, uh, like I said, well, I'll yeah, go on for as long as I can. <laughs> Um, two stories yeah but uh like i said I, I hate to cut it short but we also do have uh, the reschedule with uh, with mark from needle jig oh okay okay that's that's good in uh, fact maybe next time i can get uh, clayton patterson to do it with us that would be amazing or ronnie Delaqu uh delaquilla from uh, oh, i would love to see one with ronnie well he's from uh Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania, but he's from Brooklyn. He started from Brooklyn. He, he, he was one of the first guys to pal around and to know Tony Polito. Um, yeah, I'm starting to draw some flash. Uh, I got three sheets out of a 10-sheet uh, set I want to do, but uh, it's taken me about two years to get the three sheets done. My intention <laughs> as I get older and older is uh, getting shorter and shorter. Not enough time. And here we go. Here, so here people can see the uh, the audio audio book here. Um, could you see this book? Hold on, let me uh, in a second. Stop share. It's called Off the Walls of S and W. Oh wow! It was made by uh, Civ Anthony Civarelli, and it's a picture book of all the old flash that was in the tattoo shop and stuff 
Mm. Oh, I would love that, it. That's available right now. From, what's that? I said, that's one I'm going to have to add to my. Um, that's available from me through my uh, Instagram, if you're interested. I okay. sell it for $60, shipping included, but you two guys are uh, okay. I, I could give you a deal on it. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Appreciate that. My, uh, on Facebook. My my first uh, uh, the first two tattoo machines I bought one I bought from uh, 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 Spalding and Rogers, which I still have, and then I bought a, 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 a Black Beauty from S and W uh, Supply. Yeah. And, uh, yep. I just so. gave my nephew. He's twenty eight. He runs the booth. I only do the Philly convention. I might do Wildwood. Um, I'm going to try maybe um, there's one in New Jersey here in uh, Meadowlands I'm getting old you know everything's uh, a hustle a job now people want to talk to you oh that, that uh, was actually maybe uh, maybe a good one to leave on or, or mostly for because it's something that I used to love uh, and when I was first getting into tattooing it was the New York City convention was one of the uh, oh I think it was first the Am Jam was my very first uh, show but, um, oh, and, and Papillons. I, my first tattoo was at a, at a Papillons. Uh, I guess they were more up in New Haven. I don't know if they were in New York, but uh, maybe it was a Papillons on Long Island. Um, but uh, do you want to talk a little bit about the New York City Tattoo Convention and some of the first, uh, you know? Oh, in, Ro in Roseland? Yeah. That was the best. That was the best. Um, you, you know, these conventions, you see a lot of the Facebook people that you're friends with. And nobody looks like they do on in person like they do on Facebook. But um, that Roseland was put on by the Hells Angels. They ran one of the best conventions ever. Every tattooer was, was tattooing. They did it for about five years at Roseland. And they started it two years before, actually, on Long Island. And I forgot where it was. And at the first one, they gave my father and uncle the first um, award, icons of uh, tattooing or something, award that they gave every year. Um, it, it was, it, I can't describe it. They, they had a state, they, it was a two-tier tattooing booth thing, two-tier. But the top tier oversaw the bottom, you know, mm. the first. Wow, and they had a big stage. And you had all these strippers, you know, circus side shows, sword swallowers, pin uh, throwing darts in the guy's back. That guy that was <laughs> all tattooed up, what's his name? Uh, I can't remember. He, he had the implants, like the lumps on each side of his head, horns or something. There's a couple um, of guys that did that. Enigma. Had the guy. You yeah, couldn't probably see his the face. Enigma. Yes. And you had the guy uh -huh. with his face all pierced. You could barely see his face. Uh, no. If anybody walked in to that convention, they got a culture shock. <laughs> I took my nephew. He's 28 now, so... This is when we were selling, they would give us a table to sell the, the uh, audio book and other things. And I took him, shit, he was 17, maybe 16. 
<laughs> so maybe maybe a little older, but it was a culture shock for him. He had no idea. <laughs> Thighs were that big when he got in there. Oh the- man, and I knew people that came just to look around and it was like you're part of this. You're you're you know they 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 couldn't understand. Like I have friends, they think tattooing was an easy job, you know? They think they had a breeze mm. through it. And I tell yeah. them it wouldn't last three or four days in a busy tattoo shop. It's a, it's funny, Jay, or when you when you talk about having uh, recordings and audio, because uh, when you were talking, Marvin, I was just hearing uh, Rollo in his he- uh, uh, in one of the documentaries being like, "I found myself in a real strange crew of people." Well, <laughs> and you know, uh, for me, growing up and going to the shops with my father and uncle, nothing was strange. I. I It was strange at first, but Mm -hmm. I I grew up and being in business, nothing is strange. I don't care what the (laughs) I could eat ice cream out of some broad's asshole in the middle of the street, and that would be normal to me. (laughs) Sure. Indoctrinated in the weird. (laughs) You know, so people don't understand that. Uh, Maybe I have uh, one last, uh, this might be a, Somewhat of a cheap, uh, cheap way out. But uh, are there any um, like movies or or videos that you know help encapsulate this? I mean, we've talked about some of the books and whatnot. I guess um, yeah. I'm wondering if we could maybe leave this session on a um... well. Th- th- there's I forgot what company it is. It's one of these stock footage and video. There's a 15 second clip. Actually, it was in a newsreel of my grandfather tattooing. If I could find it, I'll, I'll send it to you. I wonder if it was in part of that unusual occupations. I don't uh, know, because you can hear that the overdub and you know, when you would go see a newsreel in a movie theater years ago? Right, yeah. Right. And then there's a movie, The Tattooed Stranger, which in one scene, they used my grandfather's barbershop and it's a tattooing scene but they took the, the, the actors that were tattooing out of the back room. And awesome. It, you know, right outside the, 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 the back room. Um, tattoo movies, of course, you got the Illustrated Man. Um, everybody's r- r- making books the, on... The, the creepy tattoo movie, Tattoo, with Bruce... Remember uh, the movie Tattoo with Bruce Dern and... Uh, you know what? I never Adam. saw the Illustrated Man. I never went to see... I, 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 I was when I'm out of my tattoo shop. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to see it. Fair enough. Been about it all day. Yeah, you know, I uh, I, I could leave on this. Will be my last. You know, uh, I've been doing a lot of these, and I don't tattoo, right? So it's like for 25, almost. Th- oh, I guess it's 30 years. I got my first tattoo 30 years ago. 25 years I've been, you know, doing stuff for the tattoo world. Um, I was about a. You know, about a year ago, I oh, sorry, just real quick. Uh, okay. about, a, about a year ago, I, I started for like two or three days. I was like, "Wow, I think I may have talked about tattooing to my Phil." And uh, but then it was the uh, Live in the Castro uh, podcast, you know, right from you know uh, San Francisco, and they're just an, another round of like rebellious, wild, and crazy, or, or, or in this particular case. And it was like, ah, I love tattooing. It really just uh, enables everybody and anybody to become who they want to be. And uh, it was only two or three days where I was almost done with my fill. 
Um, but I can't, I could talk about this forever. I really can. I apologize. You miss, you miss yeah. tattooing though. If you get, get away from it for a little while, I, I I'll say, you know, after I, my recent back surgery and not being around, uh, the, the shop and the museum for, for probably a good month and a half, I was, I was jonesing. When I got divorced in 88, I moved to California. I had an uncle that was a bigwig in the music industry and I went back to the college, took business math, for a couple of course, I became his office manager. But after a couple of years, I'm not a suit and tie guy, if you know what I mean. And I ended up uh, tattooing out of a fr friend had had Karen Carpenter's old house built up on a mountain, into the mountain. One side of the house was on the mountain. And I would wow. go there and, and tattoo. I thought he was a computer guy. Turned out he was a Coke dealer. <laughs> But it was an experience. You know, one of those houses, you dived into the pool outside and you came up into the living room. Wow. Nice. So, oh, amazing. I, I, have, I have a lot of stories. Boxing, California, yeah. tattooing. Uh, oh, well, you know, uh, one of our uh, Apprentice Hopefuls is hosting a series, uh, Bridging the Gap, right? So this is, he's like I don't know, early 20s and, and looking for an apprenticeship. And uh, he's, do, he's doing interviews with, uh, you know, lots of people with uh, experience. Um, so, like I said, there, we have a couple different uh, spots where we'd love to, to have you back on. If uh, I'd love to. I'd love to. Awesome. And then again, and Jay's doing a full on academic uh, course, you know, as far as history is concerned. So there's, uh, you know, again, pl plenty of opportunities to pick your brain. What, this course is already, I could get the video of it. Yeah, I'll, I'll send you a, a link to it. If, um, yeah, it, it, it's... It's kind of a laid out actual more, uh, oh, uh, what would you say, Gabe? It's more of a, a, a written. Uh, well, it, it is an online, uh, it's an online course here. I'll, uh, I'll do a yeah. quick screen share to close out the, uh, yeah. the show the New here. stuff, new stuff. I've been trying to add stuff, new stuff every week, you know, one or two things yeah. to it. So. Yeah, it was a pleasure talking to you. Yeah, it was, it was it, uh, nice talking to you too. I'll, so. uh, I'll, I'll friend you on Instagram. I'll follow you. Yeah, sure. It's uh, Northwest Tattoo Museum is the, is the, is the best one. I've got a personal one, but it's uh, uh, just pictures of my tattoo work. So it's just, yeah. it's just I, there I got for... some history. I put some of the tattoo work. Uh, oh, that's awesome. Some yeah, boxing. You know, I'm a, I got a huge boxing collection memorabilia. So I put some of that. It's like my life. What I love it goes on Instagram. That's cool. Awesome. I save cool. all the naked pictures for somebody else. Right, uh, right. <laughs> awesome. Well, here, let me uh, show off how people could uh, well find the rest of the uh, the course here. Uh, if this is reinventingthetattoo.com, uh, click on the, the Get Started Free. And we'll see right here in the middle is the History of Electric Tattooing course. Okay. And uh, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to actually sign up, but... Um, if I have questions, I'll, I'll, ask, I'll ask you. Perfect. And uh, I'll send you the link directly. That was for the, uh, yes. for the viewers. <laughs> um, so you, what was I going to say? Sign up. And I, my Instagram is Bowery Tech. Um, no, my Instagram is at, Mar uh, is at Moskowitz Marvin. Yeah, let me fire this up. Uh, I'll fire Moskowitz both of them up for you. Marvin. And uh, yeah, actually, you got it right. We're gonna, And then we're going to end out 
on a screen share of your Instagram. Sorry, I keep yeah, looking down, building. So this is uh, oomph, and then the website is BoweryTattoo.com. Fucking yes. perfect domain name. <laughs> awesome. Okay, thanks again, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna click the button. So this is a good oh, time. Wait, I to... just wanna... Jay, it was a pleasure talking to you. Pleasure and, talking uh, to you too. Hopefully, we'll talk again. Yes, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Maybe I'll, well, I'll you know, give me your phone number somehow. We'll shoot the shit. Sure. Perfect. I'll shoot. Uh, I'll shoot over a, uh, the info. Right on. Perfect. Oops. Cheers, everybody. Thanks again. I appreciate it. This is. Uh, it really Thanks, does man. make this like the best way to spend time. <laughs> you know, learning about this shit. So I really appreciate it, and, and so do the viewers. Okay. Absolutely. Cheers.